Hello and welcome to the Fit Leaders Podcast, the podcast for leaders seeking sustainable success. I'm your host, David Chinsky, founder of the Institute for Leadership Fitness and creator of Fit Leaders Academy. Join me as we explore how fit leaders enjoy vibrant lives marked by personal health and sustained contributions. In today's podcast, The Vanishing To-Do List, we're going to talk about how to make everything on our to-do list vanish by the end of every day. We're also going to use this process to help navigate through a long and winding email inbox. Now, some of you might be a bit incredulous thinking, how is that even possible? Hold tight because I am going to provide you with a very simple process for managing all of the incoming. This is a part of our Vitality series because you can be doing all of the other things we teach about Vitality, like taking regular exercise, watching the foods and beverages that you consume to maintain your energy throughout the day, managing distractions and keeping your attention. And yet, if you're not in control of your time and your calendar, you're still likely to be overwhelmed by the end of the day, by the end of the week, by the end of the month, by the end of your life. And so I want to share with you a process that I started using over a decade ago that has been an incredible boost to my productivity. So let's talk first about the lists that we keep. Many of us have multiple lists and one of the things I, I want to encourage you to do before applying the vanishing to-do list is to try to consolidate your lists. So try to put all of your to-dos in one place if possible. Some people carry around multiple notebooks. Sometimes people have sticky notes, post-it notes that they will write down all of the things that, that they need to remember. And too often, all of these lists and sticky notes get, get lost. And if we're to use the vanishing to-do list efficiently, we need to be able to process a single to-do list, either at the end of every day or at the beginning of every day. It'll be your choice to decide which part of the day suits you best for processing your to-do list. So let me tell you how I use one list for all of my to-dos throughout the day. And our to-dos really are nothing more than the promises and the commitments that we make to ourselves and or to one another. They're the things that we want to do and we can't do at the moment. So we jot them down. So I will usually enter a to-do on my phone if that's the most convenient device to do it on. If I have my pad with me, I might note it on my pad. If I've got my laptop with me, if I'm in my office and my computer is in front of me, I will open up my to-do list and add it there. So when I do sit down to process the to-do list and apply the three steps of the vanishing to-do list, I don't have to be searching multiple lists. I have one single list in front of me. Now, we're also going to talk about how to apply this to an email inbox, which is also another type of list. So I actually have two lists. One is my to-do list and the other is my email inbox, which is also an accumulation of 
areas of focus that I need to provision time for sometime in the future. So let me explain how this works. I tend to do this at the end of my day. So this means you can do it before you leave work, you can do it before you go to bed. I will take my to-do list and I will look at the very first item. I don't cherry pick. I don't look for tasks that I want to work on first because when I do that, I end up using even more time going up and down the list, looking at something a second time, a third time. So we want to try to touch things only once. That's certainly true for paper and it's also true for glancing with our eyes up and down a list. It's always best to start at the top and work our way down. So let me give you an example of a task that might be at the very top of my list. Let's say it's email files. Someone in a meeting said, David, can you please email me a file that, that you referenced in this meeting? And I say, yes, I'd be happy to. So I put it down on my list. Someone else later in the day talks about a book that sounded really interesting and perhaps I want to read it, perhaps I want to order it for my team. So another item on my to-do list might be order that book. A third activity might be prepare a presentation. Perhaps someone asked me during the day if I'm available to talk in front of their team. And that might not be for two, three months. And so again, it's not something that I can do today. So I need to put it on my to-do list. So when I sit down at the end of my day, and again, you might choose to do this at the beginning of your day, the one bit of coaching I would provide to you though is it's important to pick a time of the day, morning or evening, where you can do this process consistently because this will lead to the habit that you want this processing to become so that you actually can stick to this daily processing and not find yourself back to where you perhaps are today where you have a very long list of items, some of which might not even be visible anymore because you keep adding more and more every day. So once we are in maintenance mode, which is going to be the goal to get everyone into maintenance mode, you will always have a manageable list of items. So let's begin with the first item on my list, which is email files. The very first step of the vanishing to-do list is to ask the question, is this something I can do in two minutes or less? If the answer is yes, it's always going to be more efficient to just do it in those two minutes because if I don't and then I have to come back to it again and then ask myself, can I do this in two minutes or less, I've already lost productivity. And so if I can do it in two minutes or less, I do it. Now, when I say two minutes or less, I don't mean two and a half minutes. I don't mean three minutes. I don't mean two minutes and 10 seconds. It becomes a very slippery slope. Many of us have had the experience, I'm sure, of sitting down to email thinking we're only gonna spend a few minutes on it, only to realize 20 minutes, 30 minutes have gone by and we're still looking at our monitor, still working on our email. So what we're doing in this processing every evening or every morning is going through and deciding what we can do, what we can delegate, and what we need to calendarize. So what I've just described is the first of those three steps, which is doing it 
in two minutes or less. So after I email those files, which only took me, let's say 30 seconds, I check it off the list. It's gone. So then I go to the very next item. The next item on my list is order a book. So again, the first question I ask of every item is can I do this in two minutes or less? Now, the answer to this is yes, I probably can order that book in two minutes or less. And since I have an assistant, if I send my assistant a quick note to order the book, something that I can probably do in less time than it would take me to order the book myself, then that is gonna be a delegation that I need to make so that I'm not doing things that I don't need to be doing. Now, the thing about delegation is that it needs to be done the day we put the task on our to-do list. Unfortunately, many people will look at a task and say to themselves, oh, I'll get to this tomorrow, I'll get to this in the next couple days, a day or two transpire, it's still on the list. We say, oh, we'll finish it for sure by the end of the week. We get to the end of the week and it's still not completed. And so then we delegate it. Well, what if we just robbed the person that we delegated the task to? Right, we've just robbed them of a whole week that they could have been working on this task while we were holding it, thinking that we might get to it. So the question that we have to ask ourselves when we're considering whether to delegate or not isn't whether we think we'll get to this in some reasonable amount of time. The question instead is, do we have someone on our team that can do this for us? Perhaps it's a developmental opportunity for someone, someone who needs to learn how to do this task that we already know how to do. So again, the very first question we ask of every item on our to-do list as we're going through it is, can I get this done in two minutes or less? If the answer is yes, we do it. We check it off the list. It's gone. If we can't do it in two minutes or less, then the next question is, can I delegate this? If I can delegate it, then I delegate it. I delegate it in this processing session. I don't wait. I do it as I'm going through my to-do list. The third question we ask, if we can't get something done in two minutes or less, and it's something we have to do, we can't delegate it, and we can't do it right now, is calendarizing it, which means we put something on our calendar for some time in the future where we will get this done or at least start the process of getting this item done. So the example that I gave previously of preparing a presentation. Someone asked me if I can make a presentation to their team, let's say three months out. So the very first thing I would do is calendarize the date of the presentation. So I hold that time on my calendar. Then I might ask myself, when do I need to have final slides done, handouts prepared? And I might put that on my calendar. Then I might ask myself, when do I need to outline the presentation? When do I need to request information from others that I will use in the presentation? So all of these items that go into preparing a successful presentation could be calendarized. Because if I do not calendarize those activities, it's possible that in two months or three months, as the deadline for that presentation gets closer, I haven't had the focus around doing the things that ensure the success 
of that event. And so when we don't calendarize, when we keep the more, let's call them resource consumptive tasks, the more complicated, the longer term tasks, the tasks that don't have an immediate deadline, if we leave those on our to-do list, then when we look at our calendar, we have an unrealistic sense of our capacity. You might ask me, David, do you have time next Tuesday at three o'clock for a, a quick meeting? And I look at my calendar and it's empty. I have nothing on my calendar. I say, sure, let's get together next week. Well, I've already said yes to a lot of to-dos that I have made no provision for getting done. And so it's always going to be more realistic for us as we look at our calendar if we see the things that actually follow up on the to-dos we've already accepted, that we've already written down on our to-do list. So if we've written something down, presumably it's because it's important. It's a commitment that we've made. So if we make the commitment and never plan for when we're going to get anything done that delivers on those commitments, then we run the risk of those commitments not being kept or running out of time to do the quality job to prepare for the things that we say we're going to do. So calendarizing, the third step of the vanishing to-do list, is the most powerful component of this process because it commits us to time on our calendar in the future to get the things done that we've said we would complete by a certain time. If we keep those longer-term projects on our to-do list, there's a good chance they're just going to sit there and they're going to contribute to our sense of overwhelm because as we see this list grow, if we never take the more resource-consumptive tasks off our list, then our list is going to keep getting larger and larger and just looking at it is going to make us feel, oh, what am I ever going to get this stuff done? So the goal of the vanishing to-do list is to get everything off our list at the end of the day, either because we can get it done in two minutes or less, so why wouldn't we take the two minutes or less to just get it done, or delegate it if that is more efficient and is going to contribute to developing someone on our team who needs to learn how to do this task, or calendarizing making the decision the day we put the item on our to-do list, when we sit down to process it, when we're going to actually get the work done that's associated with that longer-term task. So it's not rocket science. It's just a different way of thinking about managing our to-dos. And once we do this on a regular basis, once we are in maintenance mode, this is a process that doesn't take a very long time. If we don't do it on a consistent basis, though, it's not likely to yield the benefit that it can for us. So let's talk about how we can apply this concept to our email inbox, which is a, another sort of a, a list. So one of the things that, that we know about our email inbox is that we get lots of those emails. I used to have a client that literally had 30,000 emails in his inbox. Yes, 30,000. Now, some people use their inbox as a file cabinet. I am not a big fan of that. I believe personal folders in our email system are better designed to keep 
emails that we don't want to lose track of. And so we might create a, a list of folders. We might have a folder for members of our team. We might have lots of topical folders. That way we don't clutter our email inbox. So my goal for my to-do list is to make everything vanish on that list at the end of every day. My goal for my email inbox is to have no more emails than I can see on my monitor without scrolling. So I will have some emails carry over from day to day if I know I'm going to be working on them the next day or the next couple of days, although I only have the emails on my screen that I can visibly see without scrolling. So if you're going through your emails, either at the end of the day or even during the day, so some people check their emails in the morning, some people check them mid-morning, maybe again at lunch, maybe another one or two times in the afternoon, maybe once in the evening, one of the habits that most of us have is we look at our emails as they come in. So if you've got that little envelope appearing at the bottom right of your monitor whenever you have an incoming email, know that that's a huge time waster, a huge distraction. Because most of the time when you look at that little email and look at maybe the first sentence of that email to decide if it's important, a good 90 plus percent of the time, you did not need to look at that email when it came in. So looking at emails that frequently in and of itself is a huge use of our time. In fact, the statistics suggest that most of us spend over a third of our day on email. And what I'm going to recommend is that you pick a time or several times during the day, depending on your role, depending on how responsive you need to be, and use those times throughout the day to process your emails. And so you again would start at the very top of your email inbox. You wouldn't cherry pick. One of the advantages of doing this with email is that also gives you the access to any other comments that other people have made rather than finding something further into your email inbox. You don't want to be making a comment necessarily when it isn't even relevant anymore because someone's already handled this issue or someone has made a different recommendation that perhaps you would immediately support. So you've, you start at the very top, just like you do with your to-do list. So if it's an email that you're looking at at the very top of your inbox, you ask yourself, can I do this in two minutes or less? If you can, you do it. And then you delete it. Now, if you want to keep a copy of that email, if you don't want it to go away forever, then again, you can use a personal folder to store that email. Next email you look at, again, same first question, can I do this in two minutes or less? If you can, you do it, and then you delete it or file it somewhere. We don't keep it in our inbox. If we can't get it done in two minutes or less, then the question becomes, can I delegate this? Now, an email, that often takes the form of a forwarding of an email to someone else who might be better suited, who might have more information to get this done. It could also be an assistant whom we ask to address this on our behalf. Next email, again, same first question. Can we do this in two minutes or less? If we can't, we ask, can we delegate it? Can we forward this? If not, then we go to the third question. When will I get this done if I'm the one that has to do it and I cannot do it 
in two minutes or less. So we put it on our calendar sometime in the future. And it doesn't have to be at the very next opening on our calendar. In fact, we need to use the priority of the email to decide when it should be placed on our calendar. It might be tomorrow. It might be next week. It might be in two months. Again, the beauty of putting these follow-up steps on our calendar is that we're committing the time. We now know we've made the time to address this. So if, if we need to respond to someone's request to look at some financial statements or if we need to complete a budget template, we can't get that done in two minutes or less. We can't delegate it necessarily because we may have to do it ourselves. So we decide when are we going to do it? How long is it going to take and when will we be able to do it so that we get it back on time? So it could be at the end of the week. It could be the following week. It could be the following month. Again, we have to make the judgment as to when it's going to need to be completed so that we can decide where to put it. Now, if we're putting these bigger, more resource consumptive tasks on our calendar, we're not going to have to worry that we're going to run out of time to make good on the commitments that, that we have made. So to summarize, the vanishing to-do list is all about taking control over all of the incoming, whether it's our to-do list, whether it is our email inbox. When we know that we have made provision for getting the important things done that we've said yes to already, we have a much more realistic sense of our capacity, of our availability when someone asks us how much time we have or whether or not we can take on this new task or that task. And if we do this on a consistent basis, if we do this every 24 hours, whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the evening, we're going to establish this very positive habit of maintaining our personal accountability for these commitments that we've made and we're going to avoid the overwhelm that can shut us down and make us feel like there's never going to be a way that we can get on top of all of our tasks or all of our emails. So I encourage you to give this a try. When I teach this, a lot of times people will say, David, you know, I've got my own method for managing my emails. Thank you very much. And for managing my, my task list. Even though in the same breath, they will often say, even though it's not working for me. So whenever confronted with something new like this vanishing to-do list, it's not uncommon for the first reaction to be, you know, I, I don't have time for this or, or you know, I know, I know how to do it. I, I'm, I'm able to, to do this even though it might not be ideal. So I encourage you to, to approach this with an open mind and, and give it a try and see how it serves you. If it doesn't work for you, then by all means, don't don't keep doing it. My experience with this and the experience of thousands of my clients who have implemented the vanishing to-do list suggests that this is one of the better ways to maintain vitality while at the same time not letting things fall through the cracks.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.